Welcome to Bills by the Numbers, presented by FanDuel. Make every moment count. This is your stat-focused dive into why the Bills are kicking butt right now. Coming up, just how dominant is Buffalo's defense and what part of it has been the most impressive. Steve tries his best to name the kickers who had PAT problems last week. Josh Allen and Tyler Bass featured in these three things. And FanDuel helps us out with our fantasy picks of the week. Let's kick it off! All right, thanks for joining us here on Bills by the Numbers, presented by FanDuel, Bills Wall of Famer Steve Tasker, Bills insider Chris Brown with you. And Steve, we begin this week with the Buffalo defense. After five games played, they're a veritable juggernaut, number one in the league in eight different defensive categories, including total defense and points allowed. What part of this defensive unit has stood out the most to you in making it the best in the league? Uh, the dip, I think the thing that stands out to me is the thing that was so different from last year, and that's the quality of play they're getting from their front four, mm. um, particularly against the Kansas City Chiefs. They were really disciplined, and Leslie Frazier said you know, one of the things he had to fight against was trying to do more with the play calls right. and let his guys play. Uh, and just because Pat Mahomes makes a, a play against you doesn't mean you're not calling the right defenses at the time. So uh, I think the play of the guys up front, first and foremost, are leading to the turnovers in the back end, the, the tip passes, uh, the, the desperation throws, the inaccurate throws yeah. at the other end. I think all the turnovers are, in large measure, a ripple effect of the play they're getting from their front and guys. as impressive as the takeaways have been, they lead the league with 15 of them and a plus 11 turnover differential, it's hard not to be impressed also, at least for me, in – how they've been able to tweak and change their approach from week to week and rely on different parts of their defense to carry the day, so to speak. I guess yeah. what I'm getting at here is like week two against the Dolphins, it was an overwhelming pass rush. And week three against Washington, they committed more to coverage and forced you know Heineke to pat the ball in the pocket. And then against Houston, yes, you're going against a rookie quarterback, first road start, okay, the deck is stuck. The deck is stacked against him already, um, but they mixed things up to show him a multitude of different looks and used variety to carry the day for them there. Yeah. And the takeaways, as you said, kind of factor in when all of those things are going right. And then against the Chiefs, no blitzing, use the front four to get the job done, commit seven to coverage, plaster, play a physical style in coverage that we really hadn't seen yet right. from the Chiefs. Uh, or from the Bills' defense, and it worked against the Chiefs. So that's what's most encouraging to me, the way they're able to morph and change their game plan approach based on the opponent they're going up against. It's almost as if they've taken a page out of Brian Dable's book to be multiple in the way they go after right. teams so the next opponent really just doesn't know what's coming. Yeah, it's their ability to execute very different game plans and use different parts of their defense, leaning on the back end of their right. defense, leaning on the front for their defense, uh, coverage, pressure. You know, as you mentioned, the, the Miami game was all about pressure, uh, and the Chiefs game was just the opposite of that. And yeah. they executed those game plans to perfection in, in both those scenarios. Um, it's, uh, I think that's a, a sign of how veteran their defense is, how much time they've got in this system with the same play caller. Uh, I think we've gone back to it a number of times over the past two years. Last year with the third year in Josh Allen and the offense. Uh, it's the same thing on the defensive side as well. A lot of these guys have a lot of snaps under this system and have done a lot of things in it 
uh, and they're very comfortable no matter what they're asked to do. So Buffalo's defense right now is number one in total defense, total yards per play allowed, yards allowed per completion, interception percentage, points allowed, red zone defense, total takeaways, and turnover differential. There are some other advanced stats where they lead the league as well. Passer rating against, they lead the league with an opponent quarterback rating of 60.7. That is more than 10 points lower than the number two team, which is New Orleans. Here's the thing. It's not going to... They're going to play great. They're good defense, no question about it. But to see, to, to see them go through the season at this level for a long time, you're going to have ups and downs. So you don't think it's sustainable just uh, because of the quality of opponents? or uh, I, No, I don't think it's sustainable because they've, they've been playing at a high level, and I think the turnovers really grind out some numbers that are skewed. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and those are unpredictable. Certainly, they you you can help yourself get turnovers. You can punch the ball out. You can give get good pressure. You can force bad throws. That kind of thing. But it is unpredictable because you don't know how your opponent's going to react okay. offensively to what you're doing. So fair enough. You, you, I would think that they're going to level out and come back to a little bit more to the norm uh, of the rest of the league at okay. this point. But they do have a soft schedule. There's no question about it. Yeah. You have to acknowledge it. Uh, and they're playing at a high level and have stayed through five games relatively healthy. Milano's been out. Uh, Other than that, it's been pretty much those guys that are going the the distance. So with all of those variables in line and taking it as a granted, this is going to be a really good defense for the remainder of the year, but I don't know that their numbers are going to be able to reflect all of that they've been doing the so far. The list, it's yeah. been unbelievable. They're also second in completion percentage allowed at 57.7%. Denver is first at just over 55%. Their sack percentage ranks seventh. Now, that's not top of the league, but it is higher than their success rate of last season when they ranked 16th, middle of the pack. We hear all the time how the pass rush and pass coverage work hand-in-hand. Hand. For you, has that been readily evident and that it's been a collective effort, front end helping the back end. Yes, I think, and like I said earlier, I think because of you're seeing more desperate throws, quarterbacks under duress, getting rid of the ball, having to make plays, certainly there are quarterbacks in the AFC and certainly players that the Bills have faced that are capable of doing it. You saw Taylor Heineke get out of the pocket and score a touchdown mm-hmm. or the running. But they're forcing the quarterbacks to extend plays and do some things. because of the, We've always known they've had a good secondary with yep. Poyer, Hyde, Tredavious White, and Levi Wallace and Taron Johnson, they've played at a high level back there. But they were forced to carry so much of the load because they weren't getting much help at the front end last year or as much help last year. This year, the front four is forcing the ball to come out on time, and this secondary is up to that. If the ball's coming out on time, the secondary is ready for it most of the time. It's coming out in a more desperate manner. As well, so the throws aren't as perfect as they once were because they got you know they're throwing it around guys' arms and legs or whatever, and because of all of that, the turnovers are happening. The throws aren't as accurate. They're a little bit more pressed uh, offensively. Their opponents are, and I think that leads to worse play. Yeah, and I think that you know it's just a ripple effect uh, because the front end is being helped is helping the back end so much more, and it's a back end that's really good. And the thing that impresses me the most about the pass rush this year is how it can come at you in waves. There really isn't much of a drop-off when Leslie Frazier rotates in the next four or mixes and matches guys from the first four to the second four through the course of the game. If they're on a long 12-play drive, after six, seven plays, he'll rotate a whole four new guys in and doesn't worry about it. He doesn't even think twice. 
Because this is Bills by the Numbers, I dove into the numbers a little deeper with respect to the front four. As we mentioned, they are seventh in sack percentage. They are also seventh in quarterback hurry percentage. They're hurrying quarterbacks on 13.6% of their dropbacks. They are sixth in pressure percentage, 28.6%, and 15th in quarterback hit percentage at 9.7%. They've only blitzed this season a total of 17% of the time, and I would venture to guess that the majority of those happened in Week 2 against Miami. Right. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's right. where it's at. Um, yeah, it's a game plan, and that's, yeah. that's huge. It's huge. They're getting pressure without sending extra people. That was their Achilles heel, la- heel last year. They were forced to send extra people if they really wanted the ball to be hurried out of the pocket, and this year that's, that hasn't been the case. Turnovers, as you know, Steve, are an aspect of a defense's success. It can come and go. Sometimes they get a whole bunch of them, and then all of a sudden you don't have a turnover for three games. Uh, what other parts of this Bills defense convince you that this defense can remain successful in holding teams down on the scoreboard when maybe that takeaway ability tails off for a stretch this season? They have been consistently good against the run. Teams aren't – it's a throwing league. Let's, let's be honest. It's a throwing league. But I was, I've been impressed by Greg Rousseau's ability to set the edge of the defense oh, yeah. and slide all the way to the side. He covers so much ground because he's so long. long. Uh, I've seen him make a number of plays, not only setting the edge of the defense, but also coming back inside and pursuing on a on an inside run, inside the tackles run, and making a tackle for a, a two yard gain, rather than having the guy bounce it uh, up through the line and bounce to the outside for a seven yard gain. He's been very good against the run. And of course, Starlo Tulele has been outstanding as well. They've missed him uh, as well in their run defense. I think that, as much as anything, has. Had has led to other things, third, third and longer yes. situations, uh, which raises the percentages of them getting off the field on third down. They've been really good in situational football. I think they've been better this year in the red zone than they were a year ago. All of those things are helped by the fact that offenses have to be on schedule or they're not going to have any success against this team. And that means the ball's got to come out on schedule. They've got to be ahead of the sticks and down in distance. They can't get in third and long. They can't take a loss on first down or second down or they're going to be in deep trouble. All of those things really stack up against an offense when the defense continues to be consistent on both sides, both front and back. So I think that's one of the things I thought, one of the reasons I have going forward that they're going to be consistent is their yeah. ability to keep the offense behind the sticks on in running plays. And that, and that segues perfectly into what I was going to say on this subject because, again, diving into the numbers here because that's what the show's all about, third and six or more for Bill's opponents this season, they've converted five of 35. Wow. 14%. If an opponent against the Bills gets into third and six or long, it's not good. 14% conversion rate when it's third and six or longer. And then to take it a step further, Steve, fourth down this year for Bill's opponents, two for nine on conversions. They've gotten off the field seven out of nine times on fourth down. So that's why I do think their success rate is sustainable because even when those takeaways go away, they've demonstrated through their third down and even fourth down defense, they can still get off the field and at least force a punt. Now, I know you said earlier you don't think that sustaining number one in the league level of defense might not be possible for whatever reason. But do you think there's at least a chance 
that this defense finishes number one in the league for the first time in 22 seasons. Oh, yeah, I think they could, and I, th- and I think they're going to be right there at the end. I think one of the things I, I said was one of the things you're looking at this defense right now, not only is it number one, <laughs> it's number one by a mile. Yeah. I think they can still finish number one, but it, it'll be maybe by 100 yards instead of a, a mile. A little closer to the rest yeah, of the league. Yeah, it'll be a closer to the rest of the league. That's really that's my point earlier in the, okay. in the podcast about I don't think they're going to wipe – away the league like the 2000 Ravens yeah. did um, or the 2006 Ravens or the or the Tampa Bay Bucks of 2002 yep. t- defenses like that they're they'll be like they've got they're going to have moments like that where they're going to dominate games like they have early in this season and I think there are going to be a good defense throughout but to see, say that they're going to be statistically this much better than the rest of the league maybe not yeah there's no question that their schedule favors the odds of them finishing at the top of the league. I mean, when you're playing, I mean, I mentioned it on our daily show, One Bills Live, earlier this week, five of their 12 remaining games are against rookie quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson twice, Mac Jones twice. I mean, this defense is going to feast on those guys. Uh, So I think the chances are very good that their early and fast start being at the top of the league, even though their averages or numbers or percentages may come down a little, at the end of the day, I think they'll have a very good chance to finish number one on defense for the first time since 1999. All right, Steve, time for our favorite part of the show, the numbers game, where we quiz Steve to see how many answers he can provide to a statistical question. And this week, we're going to have fun at the expense of the league's kickers, Steve. Last week, there were a total of 13 missed point-after attempts, a new one-week NFL record. How many of the kickers who had missed PATs can you name from last week? Here we go, Steve. I gotta Let's have see names. You can, can I just say team? I gotta say. I can't Let's say see if you can better. name, and I'll and I'll tell you right now. You only have to name ten kickers because even though there were thirteen missed PATs, three guys missed, missed two. two of them. All right. I will say. I don't know. Gosh, I don't know the names of so kickers. You can name the team. All right, here we I'll go. Give it Cincinnati to you. and Green Bay. Okay, that so, was a. Fest of uh, missed kick. Well, fest. it was more missed field goals than PATs. Mason Crosby, Mason the Green, Crosby, Bay kicker, Green Bay, did miss one PAT. He missed three field goals. Oof. Evan McPherson did not miss a PAT. He did miss field so goals. So we're focusing on PATs, right? PATs only. All right. So Mason I'm gonna Crosby say, is a check there for you. And okay. I'm going to say also New England. New England is correct. Nick Folk missed one. I'm going to say... The Chargers guy. The Chargers guy is correct. Tristan Viscaino. Viscaino, that's it. Two. Two extra points. Okay. The He is on thin uh, ice out there, by the way. The Cleveland guy. <laughs> I love this. The Cleveland guy. No, you would be incorrect. He did not miss a kick. I'm look uh, Chase McLaughlin, by the way, former Bills uh undrafted yeah, yeah. signee. Um Did who I had it on the t- uh, did the Jacksonville guy miss the Jacksonville guy Brandon Wright did indeed miss that is correct his name is Brandon Wright so you've got four you got listen if you think I'm gonna know all the kickers this <laughs> is what makes I'd it be fun. A, I'd be a goner man if you can <laughs> anybody that can name every kicker in the National I'm Football just, League is a goner well, or he's a coach here's why I thought it was at least possible for you. 
I know how much football you watch, number one. And then number two, I know you watch a lot of the highlights as well for the games that you didn't catch. And since the PATs were a major headline story this week, all of these kickers were featured in the highlight reels this weekend. It's it's too bad. All right, how many have I got? And how many have I got to go? You've got four, and you've accounted for five of the 13 missed PATs. All right, here we go. Because you got one guy that had the two for Tristan Vizcaino. Green Bay. The... Did the uh, did the Jet guy miss? He did. Matt Amendola missed a right. PAT. So you're I'm up to doing pretty good five of the kickers, six of the PATs. Oh, the, uh, the Colts guy. The Baltimore yes, Rodrigo Col- Blankenship, Blankenship missed Blankenship. one on Monday Night Football. He's got a bad hip, I guess. So at least that's what he's going with. I, I hate to say this because I, I kickers are I love kickers. They're great, man. But when you you know, bro. All you gotta do is get warmed up. You don't have to. <laughs> how do you? How do you get hurt? Yeah. All right. My hip, my Some groin, vent. Um, so I got like two left, right? You've got Five, one, two, four three, four left. All right. Four left. If you can get two more, that'll be good enough for me. The Rams guy. Matt Gay did miss a PAT. You're I'm correct. getting pretty good at that. I'm you're actually you're nailing this. it. You're getting the teams at least. Um. So I will tell you. Uh, that might be too much. Who did Seattle play this week? Uh, Seattle, did they play the... F- no, they didn't play the 49ers. I cannot remember who Seattle played. I'll say... Oh, they played the Rams, yeah. Okay. I'll say Arizona. No on Arizona. They played the 49ers, 117-10, to 10, so their kicker really didn't Nobody have too many opportunities. There. I'll say... Um, You're still missing two of the three kickers who missed two PATs. Chicago? Uh, no. So, <laughs> right. so there were two games, Steve, on Sunday in which kickers from both teams missed PATs. That is a horrible day. That is a horrible day. That One horrible was day. the Jacksonville game, and the other was the New England game. So who New England played missed PATs. Right. And who the Jets played missed PATs. Or, sorry, who Jacksonville played Miss PATs. Um, we'll give you a couple more guesses. And then all we'll... right, Jacksonville played. Who did Jacksonville play? They had a division game. They played Tennessee. Tennessee lost. Tennessee, yes. Randy Bullock missed a PAT. So he's coming into this game against the Bills with uh, PAT issues. So that's good. And then I'll give you the other two because the last two guys both missed two PATs. Kaimi Fairbairn of Houston mm. missed two PATs, and they lose by three Ouch. to the Patriots. Kaimi Fairbairn. And the last one, Mr. Double Doink himself, Cody, Cody Parkey, Parkey, missed two PATs for the New Orleans Saints. Oh. Double Ugg. And that is your list. Ten kickers missed a total of 13 PATs. Got to be something in the water. Good God almighty. So Houston and New England and then Tennessee against Jacksonville. Those were the two games that in was which a... both kickers missed PATs in the course Man, how of did, the game. Man, how do so many kickers skank so many putt kicks like that? On the same, that is, and on the same weekend, too. It's just we know that the numbers here, have gone down since they moved it back to basically a 33-yard kick for an extra right, point, trying right. to convince more teams to go for it you know, and go for two. 
uh, that really hasn't happened. The Colts did that too terribly in, much in uh, in response to that. The Colts did actually go for right two because Blankenship because Blankenship hit. was hurt, and then they had the punter go out and try and yeah, kick Rigoberto one. Rigoberto Sanchez. Rigoberto hit it pretty good, but it was he just did. wide left. I mean, just outside the the upright. At that, that point, point Frank kick. said, "Screw it, we're going for like, two. <laughs> forget that." <laughs> I, I feel bad for Frank, man. <laughs> He's dealing with a lot the, oh, right now. It's, yeah. All right, good job there in the numbers game. We move along now to these three things. Three issues going on in the NFL and how the Bills may or may not factor in. Our first of three things, Steve, speaking of kickers, deals with Tyler Bass. Bass currently leads the NFL in scoring with 52 points, has a slim lead on Nick Folk of the Patriots, who has 48 through five games. There are a handful of others in striking distance. But in light of Buffalo's upcoming schedule and the fact that they're leading the league in scoring, will Tyler Bass be the league's point leader come season's end? I vote yes. I think I can see that happening. This offense has not played its best football yet. Uh, and when they do, and he's virtually leading the league because of PATs right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Bills are scoring at a, an alarming rate, uh, even with defensive touchdowns and all of that. I think they will probably get to a point where, yeah, I, I think Tyler Bass. This t- this offense is not going anywhere. It's going. In, it's it's going to stay hot. It's going to stay productive. It's a handful for every defense they're going to face. I don't think there's going to be a game where they're going to score. 12 points, yeah, 16 points or whatever. Yeah, like they did against the Jets last year. Right. I think, this is gonna be, I think this is going to be a, a team that scores and scores a lot, and he's going to get a chance to do it. So I'm, I'm going to say, yeah, I think Tyler Bass is going to be the guy. I'm trying to think around, look around. The Chiefs are going to – you can imagine now the Chiefs are going to put their foot on the floor offensively. Yeah. They got, if they don't score more points than everybody else, they're going to lose games. They're in the they're in the running for this. The Chargers are in the running for this. They can score points. Although their kicker is a little bit of a mess, right? You now. would put I would put Seattle in there as well. Except now Russ Wilson's out with a yeah. with a finger injury. They're not going to score with Geno Smith. But maybe they're kicking more field goals because maybe, they can't finish drives with touchdowns. Maybe, but I don't think they'll be productive enough to you know move the ball well enough. Yeah. Green Bay, yeah, okay. Tampa Bay, sure. Those teams are there as well. Uh, Baltimore. You know, there's going to be some teams that Cleveland might be, be, be ringing it Justin up. Justin Tucker only needs to get to midfield, and he'll put it through right. for you. So. so you've got a <laughs> bunch of guys that are good, but I, I think the Bills are going to be right there. So Bass certainly has a chance to do I am, it. I am very interested. I, I think Bass will have a chance at it. I'm very interested to see the impact of going forward on fourth down on the plus in plus territory and right. how that impacts kicker scoring this year. Because as we know, going forward on fourth down is up sharply this year as NFL offenses try to stay on the field and finish drives with touchdowns instead of field goals. So if Bass is kicking more extra points because they're going for it more on fourth down to stay on the field, continue drives, finish with touchdowns, how much does that compromise his ability to stay at the top of the league in scoring points? That's the, that's the one thing that I wonder, will that compromise his chance of taking the scoring title? Second of three things deals with points as well. There have been 19 games, Steve, with a game-winning score in the final minute of regulation or in overtime this season. The most such games through the first five weeks of the season all time, even the Monday night game, went to overtime and was won in OT. There have also been 21 games decided by three points or less, including four such games this past week. That's tied for the third most through five games. 
What does it say that the Bills have not been part of a single one of these games? They have not been part of this equation in any way, shape, or form because they've been firmly in control of most of their games on the scoreboard with their league-leading plus 108-point differential. They're an elite team yeah. playing a soft schedule. And even now, and even in the Chiefs game, I don't think they've played their best football. We've seen flashes of it. But there was a point in the Chiefs game where, you know, they, you know, they ended up punting it away. They, you know, they, they were their own worst enemy offensively in the Chiefs game as well, um, given the, the quality or lack thereof of the Chiefs defense. Mm-hmm. Um, really good offensive teams tend not to get into those kind of games because at the end of the game, they don't get conservative. You know, they, there's no, you know, the, yeah. you get into these games like like the, the the great example would be the Chargers-Cleveland game from this last weekend, 42 to 48. Yeah. Um, Baker Mayfield and his offense, 500 yards of offense, no turnovers, yeah. 40 points scored, lose. First time in NFL history. First time in 402 games. The game's changing and changing fast. Yeah. Uh, we're seeing the evolution right before our eyes. And these coaches and these players are so – out in front of it, they they can see it coming. You see these trends happening, um, so I think, yeah, I I think there's a the reason for it is the way the game is changing, and the the way the season has fallen for the Buffalo Bills with their opponents and the and the the fact that in this season the Bills got this schedule and they're playing this good. Yeah, uh, they are playing exactly like an elite team should. If you get an inferior opponent, you bury them, and they've been burying. Them. They've been burying them. They don't take their foot off the gas, and even when they've tried to and successfully have closed out games with the running game, they're even scoring on drives where they're largely running the football. They're finishing those with touchdowns as well I, on the ground, and I think that's another example of them running the ball more effectively, and they don't apologize for scoring on every time they And I'll the ball. say this. I say inferior opponent. Like, the Chiefs aren't an inferior opponent, but they're flawed. They're flawed, right. Now, if you don't even have to be, like, non, like you know, non-competitive, like, you know, the not the Washington football team so much, but the Houston Texans, 40 to nothing, yeah, that's, that's a team that's not very good. But a flawed team like the Miami Dolphins or the Washington football <laughs> that was team. was 35 nothing. Right. <laughs> the, the Chiefs, their defense is struggling. Even if you have a flaw, this team exploits it. No matter which side of the ball it's yeah. on. Yeah. They're good enough all Scary. over their roster to win a number of different ways, and, and we're seeing it. So, so that's the reason that none of these games have fallen to the Buffalo Bills. So with that in mind, how many games coming up on Buffalo's schedule do we believe could be decided by three points or less late in regulation or overtime? What kind of tight games sit on their schedule? They basically have the Titans coming up on Monday night, as we know, then the Dolphins at home, Jaguars on the road, Jets on the road, Colts at home, Saints on Thanksgiving, Patriots at home, Bucks. I mean, the Bucks game, is that really the only one that stands out? No, Maybe I New mean, Orleans on thing. Thanksgiving? No, I would say this, and I'm not trying to I mean, be... they're not going to play at their best every single week, right? Right, but I will say this. You can take all the division games, Miami, even the Jets, and New England. All of those games are going to be closer than what you'd think they would be, okay. these other teams. They, you know, they're they're going to be closer games. So all of those games have a shot at it. Of course, the Buccaneers game, yes. New Orleans Saints on Thanksgiving, eh, maybe. 
Maybe that team, it, I don't know who they are just yet yeah. exactly. That could be a team that could do it. Um, but then you look at down the – yeah, you get to Tampa Bay. Outside, I think the division games have a chance to do that. Okay, that's fair. You know what I mean? Because those teams are very familiar. They're, you're not going to come in there with an off-the-wall game plan and think, oh, my gosh, they're, they're never going to think of this kind of thing. You know, it's just you got you to face up to your opponent – and play and outplay them in a division game because there's no surprises in those games. And the game this week against the Titans could be tight as well because they're just kind of a tough, yeah, this could grind be it out type of team. This could be one of those games. With, with that in mind, though, the Bills can become the fifth team in the Super Bowl era to score at least 200 points and allow 100 or fewer points through their first six games. Three of the four previous teams to do it advanced to the Super Bowl. The 2007 Patriots, the 1999 Rams, and the 1996 Packers. Finally, our third of three things deals with Josh Allen. He's closing in on his 50th career game, not his 50th start. He is one rushing touchdown behind Cam Newton for most rushing touchdowns in his first 50 games. Newton has 28. Josh has 27. First, will Josh hold the record for this on his own? I think so. I think so. This um... He technically has two starts to go, Monday night and then the next game against Miami. Right. Yeah, I th- he should get it with right? Miami on the schedule, <laughs> and I'm we're not talking saying, rushing touchdowns, right? Here. I'm not saying anything about you know with a bad, but Josh Allen has been absolutely stellar in every game he has played against those guys. Yeah. So yes, and and I know this too. Brian Dayball knows about this record; it's on his radar. And when okay. they get into these games, he likes to give. It's one of the things this coaching staff does a lot of. It's almost like a reward. They give their guys a chance to go down in history if they want. Uh, I think he'll get it. Second part of that question, will anyone surpass that figure? Knowing, Le- And I'll tell you this, Lamar Jackson only has 21 rushing touchdowns, and he's already played in 51 games. So he is not eligible to get this record. So knowing he's out of the equation, do you see anybody surpassing that figure that's coming down the pike here? In the league now? Yeah, I mean, Russell Wilson didn't do it. I mean, I don't know if Justin Herbert, Herbert gets won't there. Do it. He won't. He'll throw Trevor it. Trevor Lawrence. I don't know. Uh, yeah, Kyler Murray. Burrow doesn't run enough. Yeah, I don't. Now I don't. I don't see anybody getting there. Not now. Every record's going to be broken at some point. But man, oh man, not in the next five years. If Lamar Jackson didn't do it, I, that's what I'm saying. Like if he didn't do it, it's it's looking like it's going to be Josh's for a while. A, yeah, if it he might passes be. New it, it might be a 56 game hitting streak. Ooh, that wow! Now you're talking all time. Like right. nobody's touching it, that. It's gonna yes, because the league is getting further away from it, not closer to it. Yeah. Um, this is like there are more mobile quarterbacks now than there were. Emmett Smith's rushing title, eighteen thousand. That'll never be touched yeah. now. It'll never be touched. Yeah, because they don't run enough. They don't. Run One run guy enough. doesn't run enough. Yeah, right. It's all committed. And he doesn't play that long. Yeah. Or play that long, right? So, <laughs> eighteen thousand yards? Are you joking? There's nobody's ever going to touch that. Yeah. So you know, there are some of those records out there that are becoming further and further away from the likelihood that they'll ever be broken. I don't know that this one's one of them yet. Yeah, it's. I think it's going to be there for a while. I think he'll. If I think he's, he's going to get it though. Yeah. I think. I, think I hope he does. Yeah. Okay. Time now for FanDuel to help us with the sleeper pick of the week. If you play regular fantasy football or daily fantasy, FanDuel is the site to help you out. Steve's team suffered a painful loss in our studio league last week, losing by, get this, two hundredths of a point. Two hundredths! I've never seen that before. It was a bad beat. 
But, Steve, people always need running backs, and about this time of year there are fantasy owners who are either disappointed in a back they drafted or they have an injury at the position and are desperate for some help. So if you're in need of a back, my FanDuel sleeper pick of the week is the Giants' Devontae Booker. Saquon Barkley went out of the lineup with the ankle injury. He's going to miss at least a couple of weeks. Booker, who came into the game last week against the Cowboys, 42 yards and a touchdown on 16 carries, also pulled in three passes for 16 yards and another score. So despite being the top focus of the Cowboys' defense, with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley out of the game, he did provide production and volume in terms of touches. I realize they're playing the Rams, which isn't a great matchup this week for the Giants or Booker, but beggars can't be choosers. Booker's a high-volume waiver option, which you rarely see this far into the season. Who do you have for a sleeper pick of the week Steve, I'm gonna to go, add to your roster? I'm going to go with a guy that I picked in the spring to have a breakout oh. season, and it's, uh, it's Dawson Knox. Now, he was not an a guy that you wanted any part of because he was so far down the pecking order in the Buffalo yeah. Bills offense. But this is an offense and a coaching staff that rewards guys who are productive. And Dawson Knox has been extremely productive during the first five games of this season. You can look for that to expand. This is something that happens in in this offense and in this building. When guys start to play well, they get more. Uh, this coaching staff invests in – investments that have a great return yeah. and they're going to keep putting more money into Dawson Knox they it's hard to ignore he's five touchdowns the last four games uh he doesn't get a ton of targets because of the fact that they spread it around but he is a proven red zone threat and his success is going to continue against a Tennessee team that ranks 24th in points allowed they give up 27 points to the Jets yeah that they got problems they got they're gonna they got problems if they gave up 27 points to the Jets and Zach Wilson, they're in for it with Buffalo Bills and yeah. Josh Allen and the guys he's got. So I think Dawson Knox is a, is a, has got a chance to, to have a nice week. All right, so those are your fantasy sleeper picks of the week brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment count. I'm just surprised Dawson Knox is still out there on the waiver wire with what he's done over the last right. month. Please remember, you can watch and listen to us on the Bills YouTube channel. We're also available on all your popular podcast platforms. So subscribe so you know when our next episode drops. That'll do it for us here. And remember, when you need to know about the Bills, you need to go with Bills by the Numbers. For Steve Tasker, I'm Chris Brown. We'll catch you next week, everybody.